This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Osborne, and I'm covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show with your boy, Jonathan. Today is Monday, February 10th, 2020. I'm actually recording this just after 1 a.m., so I'm actually recording this the day that you guys should hear this. Anyways, it's been a long week, a lot of Magic games to cover. Just want to kind of go over what's going on with me really quick, give you guys a quick update. So my weekend consisted of driving two and a half hours over to the Amway Center in Orlando, watch the Magic take on the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Apart from that, on the stream, you can't really see it, but just above my head along that back wall there, there's an Ethernet cable running across the ceiling. So we pay for, you know, 500, over 500 megabits per second internet here at my house. Me and my wife both work from home and I do a lot of, you know, stuff on the computer with the podcast and gaming and stuff like that. So we like to have good internet, right? We got rid of cable last year, so internet by itself doesn't really cost all that much anyways. Long story short, I've just never been able to get good connection on my computer as far as internet speed. Just I've tried different, uh, what they call power line adapters. I've tried Wi-Fi. Nothing has really worked. So I thought of the great idea that I needed to go up into my attic, run uh, an Ethernet cable from my router up into the attic, across the house, and then down one of the ceiling around here somewhere and run that to my computer. That ended up in me... And ending up in my attic for about two and a half hours this weekend, um, running that line across. Try, I don't know if you've ever been inside of an attic. It's not fun, especially my attic. For whatever reason, there's zero space up there. There's just no no kind of space. We had uh, a new air conditioning system installed this past summer when it broke in the middle of the summer. And the guys, when they were here, I was up there. I found a piece of uh, duct insulation that one of the guys wrote, I hate my job on. If I had to climb into attics all the time and do that kind of crap that they're having to do, deal with the fiberglass insulation and all that, I went up there in a hoodie, long, you know, long pants, sweatpants, had gloves on, the whole thing. I still got fiberglass insulation in my hands, in my elbows, in my knees, and everything like that. So I can completely understand hating your job. But I am so sore from being up in that attic. When you're up in an attic, don't know if you've ever done this, but you can't really rest your weight on like the, the drywall or the ceiling. There's wooden beams that everything is connected to up there, and you basically have to brace your weight on top of those, or else you can come through your freaking ceiling. It's not a good time for anybody, right? I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to have a huge hole in my ceiling. Nobody needs that. So I'm, you're basically holding your weight up there while we're trying to find out where I need to drill, where we need to drop the cords down through, what areas of this ceiling I can actually get to because, once again, there's no room up there. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So crazy sore from that. Behind me on the stream, you can see you know, what looks like you know, playpen fencing up. This is where my wife works during the day, so my daughter kind of has free roam over this area to play with all of her toys. We leave this gate up all the time just in case we're cooking dinner or you know, one of us, you know, has to, you know, run to the other side of the house for something so she's not just left to her own devices. We leave it up all the time. Anytime I want to come into this area, however, I have to step over that. 
Well, today I'm sitting here, I'm watching XFL, you know, the new football league, and I go to climb over that. I'm in my socks. We have laminate, you know, flooring here, whatever, vinyl, whatever this is. I lift one foot up and I go to kind of hop over and I catch my other foot and both feet just go up into the air and I just come, my feet, if you've seen the movies where they slip on a banana peel, my feet go flying up into the air and I came down so hard on this entire right side and my body is just now killing me. I didn't know, everybody talks about getting old, but I didn't know that it was going to come at 26 years old or 25 years old. Last year, woke up on my 25th birthday, first time in my entire life, woke up with heartburn. Never had heartburn before until my 25th birthday. 26 years old now, and I can't do anything without hurting myself, being sore the next day, or anything like that. So, And then today, sitting around watching the XFL, um, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of still up in the air about it. The thing that I do like, you know, NFL's over, gives you something to look at on the weekends if you're sitting around doing nothing. Uh, it looked like the games yesterday were, were pretty entertaining. The two that I watched today, it was the Tampa Vipers and the New York Guardians. Being as we live close to Tampa, I'm just kind of adopting the Vipers as my XFL team. Aaron Murray, their starting quarterback, is absolute trash. In the second half, the head coach decided to go with Quentin Flowers. He was moving the ball pretty well, but each time they got into the red zone, they would bring Aaron Murray back in, and they just could not score. So that game really wasn't all that entertaining, in my opinion, even if I was rooting for the, the Guardians. And then the St. Louis Battlehawks were playing the Dallas Renegades, uh, and I, I kind of had to stop watching that game about halfway through. This league is supposed to be more up-tempo, leading to more scoring and everything like that, but the, the games today at least just really didn't lead to that. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep at it. I really hope the that league does well, succeeds. Just be great to have football for a few more uh, months every single year. And then also tonight the Oscars were going on. Um, I know a lot of people are, are into the Oscars. I'm a really big movie guy, but uh, as far as it seems like every single year the movies that are actually up for Oscars are not movies that I really watched or, or really enjoyed. The one movie recently that I saw that I thought was absolutely phenomenal was Hidden Gems with Adam Sandler. Kevin Garnett was in that movie. If you haven't seen that movie, please go find some way to watch that movie right now. Stop listening to this podcast. Go watch that movie. I will warn you, though, be prepared to be completely anxious the entire time that you watch that movie. Uh, the, what is it, the Wach- not the Wachowski brothers. They made the Matrix movies, didn't they? Whatever whatever the brothers that directed this film, whatever their name is, that's what that that's what their goal was, making, uh, it starts with an S. I don't want to say Sandusky. That sounds like Jerry Sandusky, but it, it's something like that. They the goal behind this movie was for them to induce as much stress upon you as they possibly could, and they did a great job with that movie. And Adam Sandler just completely kills it. So does KG. So if you haven't seen that movie, please go and watch that movie. But for whatever reason, every single year doesn't seem to be my kind of movies that are winning, you know, Oscars and stuff like that. Like I saw, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and you know, I, I got it. It was kind of a you know satire for the most part, but I, I just it wasn't didn't really pique my interest that much. It was pretty long you know there there were some funny parts but I know Brad Pitt won like best supporting actor tonight I know that film 1917 which that movie actually seems fantastic I need to watch that movie but I know that I believe won a few awards tonight but I don't know if you're looking for Oscars coverage this is not not the place for you so let's get into the reason why you guys are listening it's been seven and a half minutes now of me rambling talking about stuff that you may or may not care about Let's talk about the weekly state of the Orlando Magic. 
So Orlando is currently 22 and 31 after going one and three for the week with a win Monday in Charlotte, followed by losses at Boston on Wednesday at the Knicks. Yes, the Knicks on Thursday. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Then at home Saturday night against Milwaukee, they also suffered a loss. I was actually in the building for that, like I mentioned. But uh, the Magic have now lost 10 of their last 12 games, and they have not beaten a team not named the Hornets in three and a half weeks. By some miracle, the Magic are still up three games on the Washington Wizards for the eighth seed in the playoffs, and they are still within striking distance of the seventh seed, just two games back of the Brooklyn Nets. With the all-star break right around the corner, the Magic are hoping to build some kind of momentum in these next few games, string together some wins over the final two months of the regular season. Right now, according to ESPN, Orlando so far has had the second highest rated strength of schedule out of any team in the entire league, trailing only the New Orleans Pelicans. According to Tankathon.com, Orlando has the second easiest remaining schedule in the entire league over their remaining 29 games. So if my math is correct, I sat down and I, I did some math. So again, if, if. My math is correct. I've stressed plenty of times on this podcast, math is not my strong suit. I was more of a history, language, arts, gym class kind of guy when it came to school. But in their last 29 games, 19 of those opponents are currently under 500. So they are 19 of their last 29 opponents are currently under 500 teams. But currently, the Magic have been 17-7 and against teams under 500 so far this season. So if that holds true, based off of my current research, the Magic are slated to go 13-6 and against those teams for the remainder of the season. Now, obviously, that is all subject to change depending on how the Magic play. And obviously, the teams that they play could be above or under 500 as we get closer to those dates on the schedule. But right now, that's the data. Take that for data, as they say. But if we flip the coin... The Magic on the season are 5-24 and 24 against teams over 500, with 10 of those remaining 29 games that are going to be against teams that are currently over 500. And that trend would kind of suggest that the Magic would go 1-9 in those 10 games. So you add all of those numbers up. If the Magic's current win percentage holds true for the rest of the season, the Magic would end up going 14-15 and 15 over, the, over those last 29 games and would finish the regular season in 36 and 46, which scary enough would still probably be good enough to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference this year, which is really just despicable, honestly. But here, you know, we're, we're going to hope that the Magic can string a run together like last year. I'm not really counting on that, just given what we've seen out of the team so far to start the year. Granted, they have been better up to this point than they were last year, but I'm not counting them out either. I think this team still has a lot of fight in it. Um, they have a lot of room to improve. We've seen them improve and play really well in stretches and, and flashes. So we'll just have to see what's going to happen there. Basketballreference.com has Orlando with a 93% chance of making the playoffs. However, their chances of securing the seventh seed have dropped just to a 45% probability. I believe this time last week, it was around 70% or so of them securing the seventh seed. So kind of take that how you will. And then in some other news, the Orlando Magic decided to, to stretch uh, Gary Clark's contract for the rest of the season. Stretch isn't the best word. It's not really the stretch provision, but uh, he had recently signed two 10-day contracts, uh, and, and now the Magic have decided to sign him for the rest of the year. 
So G Castro is asking, what games do I play? So I play a, a couple of things from like League of Legends, uh, World of Warcraft. I play a lot of single player games. I like playing MLB The Show, 2K obviously, some Madden. Recently I've been playing the new Dragon Ball Z Kakarot game, that game. I'm jury's still out on it, but I've been having some fun playing that. Um, you know, just reliving some of those old, you know, stories and, and stuff like that. I've been watching a lot of old Dragon Ball Z episodes as well. But in my opinion, nothing will ever beat the original. Well, it's not really the original, but Dragon Ball Budokai 3. That was just my favorite Dragon Ball Z game of all time where you got the free roam to fly around as Goku. Uh, you know, it's more of a fighting style type of game. Uh, being able to unlock, you know, not champions, but... Uh, fighters like Broly and stuff like that. That was just a whole bunch of fun. So for the most part, I've been, I've also been playing some uh, Witcher 3 recently with the Netflix series coming out. I kind of got into that game. It's a great game as well. So those are a lot of the games that I like. And then we've got Hey Jude 137 joining the chat. Hey, what's going on, Jude? I, I hope that's your name. If it's not, that's a little bit awkward, but what's going on? Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for listening. We're just talking some Orlando Magic basketball here. We just mentioned that Gary Clark was signed by the Magic for the rest of the season. But on to the games, right? That's why you guys are here. That's what we're going to cover. So four games this past week. Uh, Monday's game will have been a week ago by the time that you listen to this, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. But Orlando goes into Charlotte, pretty convincingly beats an inferior opponent in the Hornets. I think the Magic led in that game for um, the entire game, maybe all of about four or five minutes, and really uh, led for everything but 13 seconds in the entire uh, second half. So this is a team the Magic know they can beat, that they should beat. It would really be nice if we could just keep playing the Hornets. We do play them two more times before the end of the season, both of those coming at home. Highlight of the game for me came late in the fourth where the ball was inbounded to Evan Fournier, starts to dribble the ball up the court. He gets trapped by uh, two Hornets players in the backcourt. Time is winding down, getting close to that eight-second call. He swings it over to Markel, who realizing Orlando's about to get that eight-second violation, he kind of touch passes it down the court to Ross in the corner, who hits a wide-open three, puts Orlando up 10 with just over three minutes to go. The Magic end up winning that game 112-100. to Quick look at the box score. Nikola Vucevic ends up with 22.7 rebounds. Aaron Gordon, 16 points, 12 rebounds. And the the young guys, Mo Bamba with 12 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks in, in just 11 minutes, shooting 5 of 6 from the floor. Markel Fultz, 12 points, but a career-high 14 assists. Both of those guys just goes to show you, uh, you know, if they these guys continue on their upward current trajectory, it's going to be really good for the Magic going forward. And that also obviously highlights Markel Fultz's ability as a playmaker. I think we will see that more and more as his usage continues to climb. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline, what a lot of us were hoping to achieve, what we maybe have failed to achieve. Uh, but if Markel Fultz can get more you know, involved in the offense and relied upon a little bit more, I think we'll just see, you know, his abilities and, and you know, his potential continue to climb. So, uh, but then Wednesday night, which was the night before the trade deadline, the Magic went into the garden in Boston. That's uh, that's my best attempt at a at a Boston, New England accent. I guess you could, could I, that's not really true. The movie Good Will Hunting, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen that, uh, but that's, one of probably my all-time favorite film with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin Williams is in that movie as well. Mini Driver, uh, she's just 
not in a whole lot of movies, but um, at least not that I'm aware of, but she's great in that movie as well. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. But when it comes to reciting lines from that movie, my Boston accent, I think, is is almost passable. Like there, there's this scene where the guy's name, Will, Will Hunting, Goodwill Hunting, that's where the, the name of the movie comes from, where he's in a bar, he's talking to this, well, his buddy's talking to this girl. This other guy from Harvard comes up, tries to embarrass his friend. Long story short, Will ends up getting the girl's number. When he leaves the bar later on, he sees this guy that was picking on his friend sitting uh, at, a, at a window in a Dunkin' Donuts. He walks up, knocks on the window. The guy looks at him. He goes, do you like apples? The guy goes, what? He goes, do you like apples? And the guy goes, he kind of rolls his eyes like, yeah. And he goes, well, I got a number. How you like them apples? So reciting lines from that movie, my, my Boston accent is, is a little bit better, but I just butchered that, and now we've just gone down this in, entire rabbit hole. But well, once again, the Magic went into the garden in Boston, fell 116 to 100. This was Orlando's lone regular season appearance on ESPN and national TV. I did want to mention really quickly, I felt like Mike Breen and Hubie Brown did a, a great job calling the game and were as complimentary of the Magic as possible given the current state of the team. They did acknowledge that injuries have been a big part in this team's struggles. I actually really like the way the Magic played in this one for the most part. I think a lot of us did. This is about as aggressive as we've seen Aaron Gordon this season and really since the second half of Game 4 last year against Toronto in the first round of the playoffs last year. In this one, he was calling for the ball the entire first half down on the block with Tatum on him. He was just really playing uh, really well. Uh, all 11 of his second quarter points came in a span of about four minutes, uh, which were 11 straight points for the Magic. Just really had it going offensively in that first half. The offense wasn't quite there for him in the second half, but I felt like you still really had a, a pretty solid game. Evan as well, he shot the lights out in this one. 8 of 15 from the floor, including 6 of 8 from 3. Those two guys were really a big part of why the Magic were in this game as long as they were. Um, again, I felt like Orlando played really well for the most part. This is a big opponent, and they, they played like they knew that. Uh, the Magic were basically within striking distance the entire game until about the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter, down by three. Uh, and this is the epitome, right, of why when you talk to people about the Magic and, and what we should do personnel-wise and, and what, who we should try to trade for, what, what should we do with the team, when opportunities or rumors come up, like in the, the offseason when you know Chris Paul got traded to the Thunder and then people were thinking maybe the, the Magic should trade for him or... Um, People were, you know, last year talking about maybe we should trade for Russell Westbrook uh, or, or maybe trade for D'Angelo Russell or Bradley Beal or one of these guys, right? Uh, but that's basically because you want to have the guy. You want to have that guy uh, that you can just go to and, and say, hey, go get us a bucket down the stretch, hit tough shots. Uh, because with nine minutes in the game, that, that's exactly what Jason Tatum decided to do for the Boston Celtics. First time All-Star, having a great season, but... Uh, basically it went like this. He knocks down a contested three. A minute later, he has an 18-foot step back with AG right there in his face. Another minute later, step back contested three over Michael Carter-Williams with him right in his face. Lead quickly goes to eight with 6.53 to go in the game, and the Magic just could not muster up enough offense. Orlando ends up falling 116 to 100. Again, let's look at the box score. Aaron Gordon finished the night with 23 points, 10 rebounds. Evan Fournier, 26 points. Vucevic with 12 points, 10 rebounds. Markel, 4 points, just 2 of 4 from the floor with 5 assists. 
Tatum ended up with 33 points on the night. I want to mention Mo Bamba didn't touch the floor in the second half with this being the night before the trade deadline. It had all of Magic Twitter go into a frenzy, into a panic, thinking maybe the Magic had a move to, to try and trade him. But after the game, Josh Robbins, I felt like, did a great job not pulling any punches, just went right to Clifford, asked him, uh, was that move to hold Mo out in the second half, that have anything to do with the trade deadline? And Clifford quickly put that to bed, said absolutely not. not. He said that Mo is really struggling in the game, uh, which a lot of us really failed to see, being as how Birch wasn't really any better. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then we'll talk more about the trade line in a, in a little bit. I wanted to kind of save that uh, for the end of the show here. On to Thursday night, the Magic in Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks. This is just a really frustrating performance out of the Magic like we've seen time and time again so far to start this season, unfortunately. Uh, it, it started, once again, Clifford inexplic- inexplicably uh, starting Ken Birch at the power forward position, uh, which a lot of us have just been screaming for weeks and weeks to end now. Uh, it was especially puzzling given the fact that the only bigs that the Knicks were starting were Taj Gibson and Julius Randle, but Orlando just could not score or defend in that first quarter, down 11 after the first, down 7 at the half. The Magic do have a great third quarter, end up taking a 10-point lead with 9 minutes left in the game before allowing Wayne Ellington, who I swear I remember killing us in a game against Detroit last year. He hits three threes in a span of two minutes with Alfred Payton also adding a floater to cut the lead to three with seven minutes and 21 seconds left to play in the game. Uh, Especially Evan Fournier just lost him a couple of times. He was wide open and able to knock down those big threes. Um, Only good thing I can say about Wayne Ellington is that he's a North Carolina Tar Heel, which is the the college team that I follow. He won a national championship there in 2009, so he'll always have a little special place in my heart uh, for being on that team. But it just seems like whenever he gets a chance to to kill the Magic, he completely takes advantage of that. But uh, the Magic, who ended up turning the ball over 21 times in this game, they suffer from a couple late-game turnovers inability to make shots and then find themselves down four with 44 seconds left. Markel Fultz is able to drive to the rim, draw a foul, almost converting the and one, but just misses it, goes to the line, knocks down both free throws to make it a two-point game with 35 seconds left. Reggie Bullock then misses a three for the Knicks with 12 seconds left. Vucevic corrals the rebound, but for some ungodly reason, the Magic decide not to call a timeout. Now, I've never been a fan of the philosophy of not calling a timeout in that situation and not taking the time to to advance the ball and then run a play. A lot of people think that you just try to score in transition, but in my opinion, it just almost never seems to work that way. Talking about UNC, Roy Williams, the head coach there, just always seems to do that in that situation, and it drives me absolutely insane. But Fournier ends up with the ball. He drives uh, into the the teeth of the Knicks defense, gets himself into trouble. Clifford is running down the sideline, screaming his head off, trying to get a timeout, but the refs are just completely ignoring him at that point. Fournier is knocked to the ground by Taj Gibson. There's a no call there. He loses the ball. Peyton picks up the ball, throws it ahead to Julius Randle, and then time expires and the game is just over. Clifford then completely berates the officials after the the game, dropping a few choice words, including calling them stupid MFers, uh, which I don't advocate that kind of language, but I appreciate the emotion and the effort there. He would later be fined $25,000 for quote-unquote abusing the officials, uh, but you just can't miss those calls. You know, I don't blame this game on the refs, 
but you you just can't miss those calls. And then to mention the very next night, uh, the Portland and and the the Jazz are playing. Portland's down two. Damian Lillard is driving the lane, puts the ball up on the glass. Rudy Gobert then hits the ball after it's made contact with the glass, which we all know by definition is a goaltend. Refs completely miss it. Portland loses that game. He, you know, if he would have made that, it could have you know pushed that game into overtime. But uh, so they missed that call. Then he publicly in his postgame interview just completely drags the referees. After the fact, the the league decides not to find Damian Lillard, but for some reason Clifford still was fined, you know, for his berating the officials or whatever. Now he, he was like face to face or whatever. Dame was criticizing the the refs after the fact, but I, I don't know. I, I try not to complain about the Magic not getting any respect. Some people have kind of taken offense to me, you know, making comments about that in the past because uh, we're you know somewhat irrelevant. Fair enough, but. Anyways, I uh, I won't really get too much into that, but uh, Magic just completely got outplayed. They did not deserve to win. Let me make that very clear. Not blaming this on the refs. Magic just piss poor performance, honestly. Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, and Alfred Payton just completely destroyed Vooch, Aaron Gordon, and Markel Fultz, respectively. Taj just completely had his way with Vooch. Randall was just bullying Aaron Gordon at times and just knocking down shots right in his face. Markel Fultz could not stay in front of Alfred Payton whatsoever, but the Magic lose 103-105 to to the freaking New York Knicks. I, I still can't believe it. 25 points, 8 rebounds for Vooch, 16 points from Evan Ag and Markel Fultz. Each of those guys had pretty decent games offensively at least, but defense left a lot to be desired. But offensively, what I really felt what hurt us was Terrence Ross. 10 points, 3 of 13 from the floor, but 1 of 8 from 3. You know, it was games like this last year where Terrence would hit a few big threes late and help the Magic, you know, steal a game here or steal a game there. But we just haven't got that same level of production from Terrence Ross this season. And then to close out the week, Saturday night in Orlando, the Milwaukee Bucks came to the Amway, which I was in attendance. Like I said on Instagram and Twitter after the game, it's always a great night when I'm able to watch a game live in the Amway Center. It's kind of weird. When I watch games from home, I watch them on Hulu Live, so it's about a 40-second delay because I'm streaming the game. So even watching the game in person, for some reason, I felt like I was behind everybody else. Like when I'm tweeting and you know all of my updates come about 40 seconds after things happen because I'm on that delay. And even in person, I kind of had that feeling, but obviously I wasn't. I was watching it live, but whatever. But early on in the game, you know, Orlando held their own, not really let the lead get out of hand, but their inability to hit open threes and, and Milwaukee's ability to hit open threes just really started to pile up as Milwaukee took a 17-point lead into halftime. The Magic were able to cut that lead down to nine with eight minutes, 23 seconds left to go in the game off of really what was strong play from the bench unit. You know, they went on a pretty solid run starting from like the three minutes and, and 30 second you know, mark left in the third quarter uh, up until that 8.23 mark left in the fourth. But as soon as Clifford brought the starters back in, the Bucks started to build that lead up again, eventually winning the game 111-95. to So like the other losses that we've had to Milwaukee this season, I really don't have too much to say. Milwaukee is just better than us. You know, we didn't find out anything that we didn't already know. The biggest thing in this game, 
The Bucks were able to hit their open threes, and the Magic did not, a trend that has just unfortunately continued this entire season with the Magic. Especially Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, those two combined to go 0 of 13 from 3, and almost all of those attempts coming off of really good looks. Uh, about as good of looks as you're going to get against the Bucks. Orlando actually did a decent job of containing Giannis. For the most part, he went 6 of 17 from the floor with 18 points. Gordon and Clark, Gary Clark, I really felt like they did a, a great job on him. Um, Mo Bamba kind of kept him away from the rim on a few possessions. So Magic, you know, their goal was probably to stop Giannis or contain him at least. And I felt like they, they did a, a great job of that. They doubled him in the post quite frequently. But guys, Wes, Wes Matthews, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton really ma- made the Magic pay with the three ball. Those guys went 12 of 22 from behind the arc. Uh, Vucevic ended the night with 21 points and 14 rebounds. I mentioned he went 0 of 7 from 3, but despite that, still finished 10 of 20 from the floor. So you obviously would have liked to see him work inside a little bit more, but that's what Milwaukee is so good at. You know, they clog the paint. They dare you to beat them with a three ball, which is really a good strategy for any team playing Orlando. But I digress. Terrence Ross added 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting. Gary Clark had eight points, shooting two of three from three. He also made two free throws while there were some faint MVP chants coming from the lower bowl. Uh, It's pretty funny, but a lot of people like the way that Clark plays. I really like his game and the shooting that he adds to that second unit. Always seems to be in, you know, good spots. Fights for rebounds, uh, you know, fights on the defensive end as well, so... Uh, I'm really glad that the Magic decided to to sign him for the rest of the year. I was wrong about that. I thought they were going to trade for a forward, which they ended up doing, but more of a, a wing, a small forward, and decided to waive Emil Jefferson and, and keep uh, you know Gary Clark on for the rest of the year. Once again, you know I mentioned Aaron Gordon's struggle shooting, but he had a rough night. Seven points on two of 12 shooting. Markel got it going kind of late in the fourth, but he struggled to shoot the ball for the most part. Six of 18 from the floor. He shot three of seven from behind the arc. That's right, seven three-point attempts for Markel. That's just another stat that goes to show you the effect of Milwaukee clogging the paint and the magic fall 111 to 95 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Moving on, we'll we'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit. The Magic actually did make a trade pretty close to the deadline Thursday afternoon for James Ennis, a forward from the 76ers for the Lakers' 2020 second-round pick, which is at this point projected to fall somewhere in the 50s, so uh, basically got him for nothing. This front office doesn't really seem to value second-round picks all that much, so probably weren't going to do much with that pick anyway, so at least they were able to flip you know him. You know, flip that pick at least for a player. Like I said, um, they waived Emil Jefferson to make room for Ennis on that roster, signing Gary Clark to a contract for the rest of the year. Jeff Weltman on an interview uh, on 96.9 The Game on Friday said James Ennis really fits into the identity of this team. You know, he's a long defender. Uh, but he brings a little bit of shooting with him. He's a career 35% shooter from behind the arc, which is really about the league average. I'm not overly excited about the prospect of him adding shooting to this team. I even dived down a little bit to try to see what his catch and shoot three percentages. Basically, a career 35% shooter there as well. So, uh, And then corner threes, he's just under 40% for his career. So unless the Magic are getting him wide open looks, um, and maybe he provides, you know, a, a lot of shooting. Maybe he starts shooting over his, maybe he gets hot and is above his career average for the rest of the season. 
but you know I'm hoping that he you know proves to be a big help. My biggest question with him right now is just where he fits into the rotation with DJ set to come back hopefully after the All-Star break. Cliff has already said MCW is still going to play in addition to DJ. So with Fultz, Evan, AG, Vooch in the starting lineup, it'll be either Wes or Kem. We keep going back and forth with this depending on the team. But then Ross, DJ, Michael Carter-Williams, Mo, and Gary Clark, that puts us currently at a rotation of 10 men. So depending on the matchup, like I said, we still might see Wes or Kem get those minutes with the starters, but I'm just not sure really who's going to be out of the rotation if Ennis is going to get minutes. A lot of people when we made that trade speculated that, okay, he's not really going to see the floor, but the way that he was talking in an interview on Friday and the way that Jeff Weltman was talking on his interview on Friday, it seems like he was brought here to play and you know get some minutes. So we'll have to see how the rotation is going to shake out going forward, but you know, James was basically saying he had a no trade clause in Philadelphia and he saw this as an opportunity for him to come and play. So he waived that no trade clause to clear the way for him to be traded to Orlando. So it sounds like he expects to play. Right. So like I said, we'll just have to wait and see how the rotation is going to shake out. Um, bringing him in. He hasn't played for the Magic yet. I believe he's expected to play possibly tomorrow for the Magic, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I think he got into Orlando on Friday. They decided he wasn't ready to play or be available to play on Saturday. So I believe right now the goal moving forward is to still um, see if he'll be available um, Monday against or today really against the Hawks. So I want to touch really quickly on something that happened uh, this week, uh, something that happened, you know, on Magic Twitter, I believe it was after uh, the Knicks game. I put a tweet out there. I asked, had or has Markel hit the rookie wall? Right. So now Markel has played 82 full games uh, in his NBA career. Uh, I think he's just short of 50 games or 53 games, something like that, so far this season. Um, and, and lately, in my opinion, he hasn't seemed as aggressive at getting to the rim, uh, at least you know in certain spurts he has, but just overall seems a little bit lethargic, really hasn't been able to stay um, in front of you know opposing teams' point guards. Now, that's been uh, an issue at points during this season, but um, just looking at him on the floor, especially after that long road trip, his energy seems like it's kind of zapped at this point, right? So I, I bring that up to say this. So I made that point, and then um, I started to – I saw um, Philip with Orlando Magic Daily also, um, you know, put out a tweet, you know, kind of saying that Markel Fultz looked like a rookie that entire night, right? Um, and, and people just jumped all over him, and there were people tweeting that, how can people, you know, criticize Markel Fultz when all these other players are, are playing so poorly, talking about Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, right? So this is what I want This This is the reason that I bring this up, right? So just because you decide to, to criticize uh, a, a player's individual performance in a given game or over a stretch of games or throughout a season, that does not necessarily absolve every other player on the team from blame. Just because I point out the fact that Markel hasn't been playing exceptionally well, or if I say, you know, Evan isn't playing exceptionally well, that doesn't mean that I think that Vucevic or Aaron Gordon or Evan or Terrence, for that matter, have been playing well. 
I, I just want that to, to be out there. It is okay to criticize players if they're not playing well. As long as you're being appropriate, as long as you're not, you know, harassing them or, or really insulting, you know, them personally or, or tweeting at them for that matter, there's no – we all care about this team. We follow this team. Heck, I freaking put out a podcast every single week. I, I live and breathe this team, right? So if a guy's not playing well and I make that observation – Sometimes I'm going to tweet that out. Evan and, and Vooch, we all know a lot of the shortcomings of this team are due in large part to those guys. I don't feel the need every single night when those guys play poorly to kind of point that out. You know what I mean? So take this with a grain of salt. Take it as what you will. But I just wanted to throw that out there just so everybody knows that. If I criticize a guy or somebody else criticizes a guy for not playing well in a particular game, that does not mean that I think that Aaron Gordon or, or Nikola Vucevic are, are playing so phenomenally well, okay? If I criticize a guy, I'm just making an observation. I'm not talking about him personally. I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm crossing any line. I think when it comes to Fultz, everybody loves this kid so much, and they've seen how much he's been harassed, harassed over the last few years that it's like a mama bear mentality, like, oh, don't, don't you talk about Markel. We'll get you. Or don't you talk about, which... You know, Jonathan Isaac, apart from some of his offensive struggles, he's so good defensively, it's kind of hard to criticize him on a given night because he makes so many plays. But I think Jonathan is kind of in that same realm. If you say anything about Jonathan, watch out. And and I'm kind of in that, in that you know, ballpark too. Somebody that's not it's, – it's like your little brother, right? You can mess with your little brother all you want. You can say whatever you want about your little brother. Somebody says something else about your little brother, it's time to throw down. Right, like plenty of times in high school, you know, people would say something about my brother, and it's like, like, Mama Bear comes out, I'll, I'll cut you. Don't talk about my brother. So don't talk about Fultz. Don't talk about Jonathan Isaac. But if you follow this team every single day, and I know that, and you're making a fair criticism of that, I have no issues with that whatsoever. So just a little PSA going forward. If a guy's being fair of his critique in a player, it doesn't mean that. He's, you know, getting all over that guy or, or harping on him or, you know, forgetting that other guys aren't playing well either. Sometimes you just make an observation based off, off of what you've seen. So far to start this season, I mean, Markel Fultz has played more basketball in the last five months than he's ever played in his entire life. This is the most games that he's played in the NBA season. He's playing heavy minutes, playing 31 minutes a game. Playing for, you know, Philadelphia, what was he averaging? I don't know, like 15 minutes or something like that. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know he was not playing in a huge role. They're trying to get him healthy, trying to get him comfortable at the time. Kid's playing 31 minutes per game. I mean, you know, over the last, you know, 20 games or something like that. I think for the season he's averaging like 28, but recently he's been playing 31 minutes per game. So if you've never gone through that level of physicality, the night in and night out grind, they call it the rookie wall for a reason. It's a real thing. A lot of guys hit it. So that was my question. Is Markel hitting the rookie wall? Has been playing exceptionally well lately. Um, you know, he's had a few good games, but um, just not, you know, the level of consistency that we were seeing for a few weeks. Um, I'm not concerned. I know he'll bounce back if he's a little bit tired. Uh, you know, we've got the all-star break coming up in a week here or sometime next week. He's got nine days off. He'll come back. He'll be right. He'll be ready to go. But that, that was just my question. And, you know, going forward, just just chill. Just chill a little bit. 
it's some rough times. Magic Twitter, Magic Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. You know, Magic fans all over the place are, are really going through it. So I understand we're a little bit hostile, a little bit on edge. But you know, just try to try to chill. Life isn't that bad. Magic are still in the playoffs. You know, I think. What do we say? They still have like a ninety-three percent chance, according to Basketball Reference, to make the playoffs. So. Whatever, we'll have a home game at the Amway Center. It's always a good time. Let's just try to survive up until that point. So let's talk about the upcoming week really quickly. So uh, we've got Atlanta tonight at home, and then Wednesday, uh, Detroit is coming into town, uh, and then we've got the All-Star break. So talking about Atlanta, man, those dudes, I don't know how many trades they made. Those dudes made like three or four or five trades at the deadline. They brought in like Clint Capella. They brought in a, a couple other. I think they traded for Dwayne Dedman, who... I think last year, the year before, they had traded him to Sacramento or he left in free agency to go to Sacramento, whatever. But And then, man, Minnesota, they got like seven new dudes on their team. It's like the, the Cavs, what was that, two or three seasons ago, LeBron's last season when they basically got a whole new team at the trade deadline. But, man, uh, but yeah, like I said, then we've got the All-Star break. So uh, after Wednesday, the Magic don't play again until the following Friday, which is the 21st. They'll be at home for Dallas. So they've got a nice nine days off for everyone except AG, basically. Uh, you know, they'll all get some rest. But AG, who's going to be in the slam dunk contest on Saturday night, as my cats are seriously fighting behind me right now. It's one forty-five in the morning. What are you guys doing? Anyways, um, hopefully he doesn't get robbed this time. And let me speak on that a couple of minutes, right? So Aaron Gordon, the 2016 slam dunk contest was absolutely 100% robbed. This seems to be almost like a universal consensus that Aaron Gordon was robbed, right? I, it's, you almost never find somebody that says, oh, that's not true. Zach Levine won that dunk contest. But I just wanted to highlight why it was that Aaron Gordon was robbed, right? So um, I, I forget what his first dunk was. It might have been the one... Um, under the legs, you know, from stuff, but, you know, between the legs from stuff. That might have been, like, the first big one that people were like, oh, snap, this dude is for real. And then he brings out the hoverboard. He's about to, you know, run and, and grab that ball from stuff, but then makes stuff rotate, and then he comes with that one-handed scoop windmill dunk. That was absolutely insane, right? So he gets a 50 for that. Uh, I think he got 50 for both of those dunks, and then as everybody knows, what they call the chair in the air over stuff underneath both legs, the dunk. Kenny Smith, uh, or Kenny, yeah, Kenny Smith, that's his name, right? Kenny the Jet says it's over, right? This slam dunk contest is over. And then Zach Levine does some stuff where he does like a windmill from the free throw line, like stuff that we've seen before, right? Both of those dunks, by rule, are 50s, right? But what I'm going to say is, by default, the dunks that Aaron Gordon was doing were so much better than what Zach Levine was doing. The level of difficulty, the amount of creativity that went into those dunks, there's no way that Zach... Like, if if what Zach Levine was doing were 50s, what Aaron Gordon was doing were 60s or 70s. So, I think in that case, you don't go off of a point system. You just go off of... Which dunks are better at this point? Because Aaron's were by far in a way. Then they go into like the the dunk overtime or whatever, and Aaron didn't plan that many dunks. So, but that's why Aaron Gordon was robbed because there's a flaw with the scoring system. All right. 
Aaron has said for this dunk that he's going to have some dunks that people have never seen before. So I absolutely cannot wait. Hopefully he does not get robbed this time, but I, I cannot wait for that to sit down Saturday night. Watch the skills challenge. Watch the three-point contest. Watch the slam dunk contest. In my opinion, that's the best part of All-Star Weekend, right? It's going to be interesting to see how the All-Star game goes this this time around with the modified rules. So we'll see if that is able to raise the level of competition for these guys. So we'll have to see what's going to, you know, what's going to go on with that. But uh, that's really all that I have for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have not already done so, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, please go into iTunes, leave me a rating and a review. It goes a long, long way. Just trying to climb up those iTunes charts as far as the Orlando Magic podcast go. But once again, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been your boy Jonathan with the Six Man Show, and I will catch you guys next time. See ya! Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!